Serbia's attack was suicidal. Max Verstappen, you are a race winner. You like my pace? You like it? Hello and welcome to another episode of Back of the Grid, the podcast that takes its Formula 1 so seriously. The hosts have purposely scored really, really low in the <laughs> Predictions League in order to emulate this week's championship deciding race. <laughs> but more on that later. <laughs> uh, I'm your host this week, Tom King, and I am joined by Chris Evans, as usual. Evening. Uh, but unfortunately, no Stu Green with this week, as he is sunning himself in Tenerife, I believe, isn't oh, yeah, he? Yeah, off for another jolly. All right for some. I wonder if we'll get one of those like little pop-ins that he did the you, other week. You never know. <laughs> that Sneak was just up a us surreal again. moment. Part of me wants him to, but part of me doesn't because we've mentioned it now. Yeah. So it would look staged. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and generally a fairly dull race, I hate to say, decides the title. It's, Do you not think? It's sort of like the whole rest of the season, hasn't it? It's been a season of lots of potential and then it never quite coming off every time we've been like oh this is gonna be amazing it's all poised for something brilliant and then it all just kind of bleh. yeah it just kind of boiled down to nothing and it looked like it could have been so interesting after that first corner incident yeah i mean if if we've been in a situation where it was like a handful of points between hamilton and vettel then that would have been an amazing start to a race but the fact that yeah it was in the position of Vettel had to come first or second. It was kind of championship over by turn two, wasn't it, really? Yeah. Qualifying was exciting, at least. Qualifying was very exciting. We've, we've got some very interesting stuff going on in qualifying. So for those who didn't see qualifying, I'd kind of recommend going and watching just the highlights of it, at least. Um, yeah, a lot of really headline-like driver performances, like Alonso yeah. being, what was it, a few tens off the Mercedes in Q1. Well, other than, uh, I want to say the Mercedes, he was the fastest ultra soft runner. Yeah. Because I think uh, at that time, if I remember rightly, the Ferraris and the Red Bulls were both running super soft. Yeah, I think that's right. And McLaren, uh, sorry, Mercedes were on ultras and then the McLaren of Alonso was the fastest ultra soft other than those two. Yeah. Which I found impressive in itself. <laughs> But we know it's a track that doesn't. Um, you're not hindered by a, a lower engine performance. Yeah. Are you really around Mexico? We know that. So. Um, also had Ocon up there in sixth. They were qualifying. Ricardo, um, Hulkenberg, and Signs within like a couple of tenths of each other again. I think that's going to be a an awesome duel going forward with them too. Yeah, there was the ridiculous pace Verstappen found stum- somewhere yeah. around that circuit. Um, like Hamilton was kind of plodding along, looking like he was going to get a pole, and then Verstappen just ragged the absolute proverbial off that Red Bull, um, to put it where he did initially, only to be beaten by Seb. Yeah, he found an extra tenth. Yeah. But I think that showed the pace that those two cars definitely had over the Mercedes around that track. The Mercedes, even though Hamilton was up there up until that final stage of Q3, the Mercedes never looked particularly dominant or quick or even challenging, really, did it? I think you always kind of thought the other two could come at them. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, So that led to almost a three-wide turn one because you had... 
Vettel starting from pole, obviously trying to get out there to get maximise his points opportunity. He had Verstappen demoted last race out to prove a point in second, and then Hamilton just behind those two in third. Um, and we saw pretty much three wide into turn one, and then it all really got tight into turn two. And um, I think Verstappen probably pulled off one of the better moves of the race in turn one, to be honest, to position himself yeah, to hang where it he did for turn two. All the way around the outside, sort of, Vettel sort of squeezed him wide and just about held it on. Then there was a little bit of contact between them, <clears throat> which was the initial damage on Vettel's front wing. Um, yeah, and it kind of it kind of opened the door for Hamilton as well, that contact. Obviously, Hamilton could then squeeze around the outside in turn two, bec- uh, sorry, turn three, because he'd kind of sat back and watched this happening and unfolding in front of him through turn two. Yeah, and Vettel's line was massively compromised, so he was way off the racing line, which just kind of opened the door for him, really. Yeah, now, you've already said it there, but Vettel's line was massively compromised. Now, I've seen a lot of people trying to give Vettel aggro over the contact that happened next in turn three, and I don't think there's any foundations to it, because... He he is forced out wide in turn two by uh, Verstappen's move. And then obviously he's got Hamilton following Verstappen through in turn three. And the thing that I've co- I would compare this to is when Bottas hit the inside curb on the opening lap in Baku and it kind of launched his car a foot or so to the side, yeah. meaning he hit Raikkonen and it all went down as a racing incident and everyone was relatively all right with it. Raikkonen was a bit peeved at the time, but generally everyone was all right with it because it was just one of those things. He was squeezed onto a curb and then the curb literally threw the car across into another one. Um, and I think Seb ended up in a very similar position in turn three. But would, would you not? Yeah, think? definitely. Oh. Like like he he was obviously offline, tried to take as much, well, more curb than he normally would to <clears throat> try and get a better exit onto that next straight. But as you say, he kind of bounced over the curb and, you know, there's a lot of people saying, did Vettel know when he had got some damage and he was about to lose position to Hamilton, sort of, you know, deliberately clip him and try and puncture his wheel. But if you look at the onboard, like, from the moment he hits that curb, he's just seesawing the wheel side by side, trying to keep the thing in a straight line. Yeah. So <clears throat> there was there was no malice in that. There was no deliberate trying to take Hamilton out. And the, the other sort of side to it is, the damage that he'd had initially, that like the initial small touch with Verstappen, it was minimal. There was there was no serious damage to that. It, it would have been a very small piece of end play at best that came off during that. Yeah, absolutely. The contact that he then had by hitting Hamilton is what caused him to end up down the back as well as Hamilton because it required a new front nose because he just tore off, you know, that front left quarter of the front wing. So. <laughs> I don't think, well, any driver that would ever intentionally do something like that is, in my books, not fit to be racing. But as well, yeah, I don't think anybody intentionally doing that would be stupid enough to try and use their front wing to do it. Exactly, yeah. Because it's only going to compromise themselves as well. Yeah, it's like Martin Brundle, I think, said in the commentary, like, if you drive your front wing to someone's rear wheel, there's a chance you'll give them a puncture and there's a guarantee you're going to smash your front wing to bits. So, yeah, there's no way he'd have done that deliberately. 
Yeah, um, I just think it's quite crazy that we're seeing people suggesting yeah, that. <laughs> it really is. I actually think without that first contact with Verstappen, it might not even have led to a puncture for Hamilton, but it was kind of, he sort of sharpened the wing on um, Verstappen. So it was like a nice serrated edge. It was extremely edge. calculated. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to bump into Verstappen first, sharpen the front wing, then use the sharpened piece to destroy Hamilton's rear tyre. Perfect plan. Yeah, <laughs> except for the part where he also has to pit, which drops him to the <laughs> exactly, back. Exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, so as we've already alluded to, it caused a right rear puncture for Lewis and damaged Seb's front wing beyond being able to continue, uh, which saw them both heading straight into the pits. Uh, both went for the soft tyres, initially looking like they might try and make it stretch out to the end, I think, was the original plan for both cars, wasn't it? Mm. Um, well, that's I think a lot of people were trying to one-stop this race, but those who had to pit that early, it was always going to be a stretch, I think. Yeah, I think the main problem with the soft was, even though the soft had the life in it, it didn't have the performance, which was proven by definitely by Hamilton, even though I think that was partly the car. Um, yeah, he had some and, pretty substantial damage, I think. Yeah, and then in in a sense, it was proven by Vettel because later on when we see him change tyres, which we'll talk yeah. about as I get to it, but later on, his overtaking and performance generally seemed to improve as well when he wasn't on the softs. Um, and we saw a couple of other people dive in with over the next couple of laps. I, initially, I thought similar strategies, but I think I remember hearing that both were um, either damage or slow punctures. That yeah, I think they the were. Stops, which was Science and Massa, uh, both headed in for uh, soft tyres at that point. Um, I thought, like say, that they were trying to maybe go long and, and possibly use... Vettel and Hamilton as like a catapult and follow them <laughs> through the around. pack or something like that exactly but it was just that they were damaged too um, Hamilton lost a lot of time though compared to Seb because of the puncture a lot yeah of time. he did I think he was about 40 seconds back when he finally emerged he, the, um, yeah. he only just beat the medical car back around to the pits yeah the, he was pulling in I think as the medical, medical car was coming in behind him so that would have been interesting yeah <laughs> um I saw an interesting point as well. Obviously, it led to him being lapped, um, and it kind of came up in commentary, but nobody ever really confirmed it. But they were saying, when was the last time Hamilton had to let somebody buy under a blue flag? And nobody ever really answered that question. But I sort of struggle to remember the last time that that happened because he's just usually, even when he starts from the back, he's usually cutting his way through the field. Same with Seb as well. Like, you know, when Seb started from the back and stuff, he's generally had to just carve his way through the field and not had to worry about the blues. Yeah, it's a weird one. It is indeed. Um, Disappointingly, not too much longer after that, we we saw a Ricardo retirement. Again, it's... it just seems if it's not one Red Bull, it's the other. Like yeah. Max had all the issues in the first half of the season where it was, you know, looking really promising for both cars and then just a ton of DNFs for Max. And now the last few races, it just seems to be the looks shifted over to Daniel's weird, side and now he can't seem to get a finish. It's almost as though they've had to say to them, look, we've got one good set of engines and one rubbish set. <laughs> Danny can have them for the first half of the season. Max, you can have them for the second half. Other than that, you're both going to be looking at DNFs. The worst, it's almost like that's what is, what's happened. And the worst part is they they changed Ricardo's entire engine before this race, which is why he's starting so far down, because they didn't think yeah. 
his MGUH would make a race distance. And then his brand new MGUH lasted, what, six laps and it popped? Yeah, it was lap six that he came in. Ridiculous. Again, initially you sort of thought, oh, maybe he's going to just try and get the tyres off and go for a super long stint on the the softs. But then it was confirmed race over for him. Um, Does this not raise questions for McLaren? Do you think going I mean, into next does. season, I mean, like so many Renault failures? Yeah, that was the first of, first of many Renault failures this race. Um, meanwhile, both the Hondas finished. Yeah. Um, then again, you could also argue a Renault engine won the race, and that McLaren chassis looks really, really very good at the moment. So the thing, the thing to think about, though, just just while while you're mentioning that. The next Renault in the pack after Max Verstappen winning is Pierre Gasly in 13th. That's the next Renault. Yeah. Um, And then after that, it's Carlos Sainz DNF. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then Brendan Hartley DNF, Nico Hulkenberg DNF, Daniel Ricciardo DNF. So... That to me, that's not a good. No, I mean it says a lot for Renault. It says a lot for what Red Bull are doing with their car. Yeah, if they are able to win a race when the even the people are finishing with the same engine are so far down, which gives you hope for McLaren next year being good as long as the engine works. Yeah, it it comes back to a discussion we had many many weeks ago. I think it might have been when when this initial news of McLaren moving came out that we had the chat. But between the three of us, we were talking about you know, would you rather have a car that can win but has re- reliability issues like the Red Bull, or uh, an engine like what's in the Honda at the time, which was there was no performance and no reliability, so it was like a double whammy. You you couldn't get yep. in the points, and even if you had a remote sniff at the points, the engine would fail. <laughs> Whereas at least with the Red Bull and the Renault, they can win if the engine holds out. It's sort of all or nothing with them, isn't it? Yeah, it it seems that way. Um, but yeah, it will be interesting to see how the new engine develops going into next season especially yes, if they manage to get the quality modes that they they claiming that they want to try and add to it like what mercedes use yeah <laughs> even more blowing up of engines <laughs> yeah it just has like another reason for it to blow up but yeah. we'll see indeed um alonso and grosjean little coming together officially deemed just a racing incident but i, I was interested in your take on that yeah, it was. Um, I think it probably was a race incident. It was a bit clumsy, but clumsy on whose part would you say? Um, I think it was a very staunch defence from Grosjean. I think, I think Alonso wanted more room than he was given, and Grosjean didn't give as much room as he could have done, perhaps. Mm. Um. It ultimately led to more damage for Grosjean out of the two of them, didn't it, it did, really? Yeah. Uh, I don't think it particularly affected Grosjean's race. I know I know he did finish a long way down, but I don't think that he was ever looking much better than the 15th place he picked up at the end of the race. No, he didn't seem to. The Haas didn't look very good all weekend. No, not at all. Um, 
in my opinion. Like qualifying, they look terrible. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I'd, I think I could go along with that. Just uh, Alonso getting his elbows out like he does, and Grosjean not being wanting, uh, not being willing to give that extra room that Alonso wants for his elbows is probably what happened there more yeah, than anything. Pretty much. <laughs> um, and then speaking of sort of questionable overtakes, um, Sebastian Vettel ran wide. I believe it was through the outside of turn two and th- and then into turn three, was it not? I think it was, I want I to think say it was four there. and five, actually. Four like and five. The end of the second straight, yeah. Yeah, I know it was sort of in that first sector, but yeah. it, effectively, Massa pushed Seb wide, albeit inadvertently. Yeah. Considering last week's debates and hot topics, what do we think of Seb keeping that position? Because it was said by Martin Brundle specifically in commentary that he think he thought at the time that Sebastian should have potentially given that place back. Yeah, that surprised me, to be honest. I don't I wasn't so convinced I think he only had to go wide because Massa had that oversteer so kind of he was more avoiding action I think than anything do you think he had the place though before he did so was it was he more within his rights to put his foot in than back out is probably the debate I think yeah that's the tricky part isn't it it's um because they were I'd say they were more or less side by side which what is what makes it a very difficult call which is why I think that there was no action taken. Had Seb been a half car length further back, they would have probably told him to give that position back, I think. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, had he been half a car length in front, they'd have maybe been questioning what Master was yeah. doing. And so it's it's really up in the air, I think, with the fact that they were side side by side. And I suppose it just, it just highlights uh, Charlie Whiting's point last week of we can't be so cut and dry of if you cross the white lines you must you know hold position and you can't overtake someone yeah. because it isn't always that simple which is irritating in a way but you can see why the stewards and charlie and and so on kind of take that standpoint yeah i mean you know without going too much back to what happened last week i think cutting a corner is <clears throat> more of a cut and dry thing i think whereas yeah. running wide on an exit is tricky you can see where the gray area comes in there yeah and I, I do think that the the battling and forcing somebody off like doing it there are certain corners where if if in qualifying you're running wide you're probably considered to be getting an advantage and your lap times will be deleted in qualifying for example yeah and and same with the race people have been warned about doing that when they're out there on their own. Being pushed wide is probably a different area altogether. But people like to make things to talk about in the world of Formula 1. Exactly, yeah. And that was one of them. Um, Not much further down the road, though. We got to lap 26 uh, before we lost Hulkenberg due to an ERS-related issue. So that's just... I'm still not sure which part exactly, but it's effectively the ears is the um, energy recovery systems. Yeah, it was some scary electronic stuff because I told him to jump out of the car yes. um, and not touch it. So I do believe the words of the radio were, the car is not safe, stop the car, <laughs> it is not safe. Um, which Always a good time. Yeah, 4 one cars are 
despite safety measures, a fairly dangerous beasts anyway if you have an accident in one. However, being told the car you are in is dangerous, it is dangerous, <laughs> get out now, is uh, probably quite alarming for most drivers. Yeah. Although he was quite cool about it. I suppose he knew that providing he didn't touch the ground whilst touching the car, thus grounding himself, he would have been fine. It's just that... Um, <laughs> that very um, interesting looking leap from the car yeah. to the <laughs> to the wall that <laughs> it leads to uh, but yeah another example of a Renault failure yep at that point um and followed did, shortly by another one yeah for, I was just about to say it didn't take very long at all we got to lap 33 uh, before Hartley's blew up uh, yeah cuz we were, at, the, at the time we were watching i think it was Gasly Van Dorn and one of the Haas cars, I think, were running like together, or maybe it was Lonza. It was. I, I'm trying to remember who it was now. From I memory, it, I think it was Alonso chasing Magnussen, and we were watching from maybe Massa following those two. Possibly, yeah. As the three wide anyway. Yeah. But all of a sudden, the track just became very you, blue and smoky. Yeah, you kind of saw it in the distance, and you thought, "Oops, someone ahead just had a lock-up." And then you saw a bigger puff, and you were like, oh, I, I don't know, a minute, that's looking a bit less like tyre smoke, a little bit more like oil or something Yeah, mechanical. that telltale blue twinge. Yeah, and then it was just everywhere. <laughs> like, we were talking at the time, it was like, okay, somebody's blown up ahead. <laughs> and lo and behold, it was a Renault. Um, yeah. Unfortunately for Hartley. Um, Poor Hartley again. Yeah, it's in a way, it's a good thing that they've... They seem to have committed to him to the end of the season uh, because it will give him an opportunity. Because but the trouble, is, isn't it? With if he's there to for them to see if they think he's worthy of a race seat, we don't know yet because he's not really had enough time to. Yeah, he's he's sort of he seems to have found his feet fairly quickly, which is always yeah. admirable. Um, but we've we've not really seen him go properly wheel to wheel with anyone and, and race yet because of things like this occurring. Yeah. So it would be nice to see him in the next couple of events actually get an opportunity to do that uh, without failures. Fingers well, crossed. I think they're, the I think they're the both season. tracks he knows from um, World Endurance Championships, so that's a good start at least. Yeah, I think that was the same for him with Cota and even Mexico this weekend, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think the, it is the last actually. He's not quite is, lucky with the way the tracks have dropped. I, I, think, I think, as well, if I remember rightly, he has won round both those circuits as well mm. at, at uh, sorry, in World Endurance. I don't know about, has, yeah. I don't know about um, Abu Dhabi. And, I'm not sure about... No, possibly not those, I'm not sure. Yeah, but I'm sure we'll find out between now and then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so his car in particular was in a... He tried to get it towards one of the runoffs, but it was in a slightly awkward spot, which led to um, a virtual safety car, uh, which allowed Vettel and Hamilton to both get off the slower, much slower softs and onto something else. Yeah, so it was Vettel a nice little for... lifeline for all those one-stoppers, wasn't it? Yeah, um, it meant Vettel managed to swap to ultras and Hamilton went for the softs, which, to be fair, made sense because the, the Mercedes seemed to have better overall pace. Even though it wasn't as fast, it seemed to be a lot more consistent and better on the super soft rather than the ultra soft over practice. So mm. I think going for the super soft um, 
was probably the better option for Hamlet. Yeah, definitely. Um, but it also meant that Max and Bottas could pit out in front without causing them too much of a loss compared to usual. Yeah, because by that point, it was like 20-odd seconds uh, between uh, Verstappen and Bottas and another 20-odd between Bottas and Raikkonen. So they were all just kind of on their own, weren't they, there? Yeah, um, and I think that... I wouldn't say they were waiting for something like this, but it was too good of an opportunity to turn down of being yeah, under the virtual, I think. You might as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then from there, we partic- we didn't particularly see a huge amount m- more other than Vettel trying to work his way through the field and then getting to a point where he asked how far ahead Bottas was for second and he was told it was something like 20 seconds to Raikkonen and then another 20-something up the road to Bottas, to which he replied... Mamma mia, that's too far. <laughs> I thought that was quite a comical moment. Yeah, that was good. Um, Hamilton finally managed to start overtaking people on the softs, uh, but that car just looked... It just couldn't follow anyone. Like they, they are in a situation where cooling is more critical there because the air's thinner and it's harder to get air through the car, but that car's been bad at following all year yeah. and and in a race like this it was tenfold because they were struggling with heat anyway but to then struggle behind another car already it just compounds the issue doesn't it really because yeah, even and... coming out from behind the car you don't get any clean cool air to, to keep the car working plus it sounds like Hamilton had some pretty significant damage to his diffuser as well which probably meant he was I think that's why he was struggling to get out of the last corner to have a run down um, the yes. main straight so often. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if there was some damage to the, the floor I know. or the rear diffuser from the tyre. I did see briefly after the race, Ted was he'd got his iPhone out saying he'd taken a picture of the back of um, Hamilton's car and he was sort of talking about the damage to the diffuser, but he was just on his iPhone 5 so he couldn't exactly like have a good look at the screen. <laughs> look, it's broken. <laughs> like, come on, Ted, you've got a 5S. Surely you can... Surely Sky aren't paying you that badly. <laughs> yeah, like it could have at least WhatsApped it to somebody and they could have got exactly. it on the screen. You so? they could have WhatsApped it to someone on the editing team or something. Come on, Ted. Yeah, come on, Ted. Although Ted is like the fountain of all technical knowledge in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Any, anything Ted says goes. And I especially love it, it when I make a comment and then Ted Kravitz basically says the same thing not long after me. I'm like, there, my point is proven. Ted has agreed <laughs> with me. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember what that was. I was talking to you guys, wasn't I, about it? Yeah, I can't believe it was last I was week. like, right, Ted said it as well. That's it. It's, it's, it's set in stone. That is what it it's is. It's gospel. It's gospel. Um, so, yeah, it, the only real highlight after all that drama with the engines was, I suppose we did lose um, science, didn't we? That was more of a, the engine didn't actually go pop, but it was about yeah, to. Yeah, it was... Yeah, it was it was more of a precaution. Then again, he'd been running last for the entire race after his um, uh, pit stop right at the start, so yeah, um, and wasn't exactly losing out on anything. Oh, we had another engine catch fire as well in Marcus Ericsson. Yes, we did. A, f- a year old Ferrari. Well, technically, it's almost two years old now. If you think yeah, it is now. Because do you think they've even done anything development wise to that, or it was just... no? I don't think they do. I think end of the previous season they're like there you go there's your engines for the next year and there's <clears throat> that's it they get what Ferrari finished the previous season with oh, that's got to be a horrible scenario to be in but no more I think they're getting up to date engines as of next year I think yes they? they are that's part of the 
they're effectively becoming a Ferrari B team, which yeah, which is nice. Nice for them, but Haas must feel a bit annoyed about being glanced over because yeah. they're they're like kind of almost a customer team, and you'd have thought that they'd maybe want to be looked at first. But then again, I suppose Gene Haas has his own teams, and he likes to have his own name, and he wouldn't want yeah a takeover. Which is probably what will, you know, like I wouldn't be surprised if with Sauber next year we saw something almost like the Toro Rosso scenario, like something very heavily Ferrari branded from a Sauber Definitely, perspective. Yeah. Um, especially if they manage to get enough money going through the team without the need for Mister Ericsson, who I heard <laughs> I heard a very funny stat. I, well, it's not I say funny. I, it made me laugh, which was. Um, the last time he scored points was Monza, 2015. <laughs> yeah, I heard that. Wow. That's not great, is it? <laughs> oh, not great at all. That just re-highlights the discussion of being a paid driver, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. So, admittedly, the car doesn't help him. No. N- not this season, at least. But, you know, Verline scored points with it this year. Um, yeah. So... 2015 Monza. Wow, it just it shocked me Bad. into into laughter. Um, <laughs> and then yeah, the, the only sort of exciting part after after a few more engine failures was the Alonso Hamilton ding dong battle that lasted Thank a couple. Goodness of for Fernando Alonso for were, were my injecting words, some life. Were my words to you something about? Um, I can't remember what it was. It was along those lines, though, wasn't it? It was like something along those lines. Yeah. It was. Uh, thank God we've still got Fernando or something. Or Fernando's just yeah. made the race interesting again. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a, a really really cool battle between them two. Um, it's a shame it needs a hobbled Mercedes for you to have a close fight between them two at the moment. But yeah, it, that battle made me hope for the best for Renault and McLaren next season. Yeah, because to see him up there with the Red Bulls and the Ferrari and then the Mercedes as well, he, absolutely, he yeah. will definitely looking at that. He will definitely take the fight to them. And as sad as it is to say, I think with his interest in things like Daytona and his definite interest in Le Mans and obviously the IndyCar thing this season, it could be like a, a last shot at it. I think that if he if the Renault thing doesn't work, I think it could be the last we see of Fernando, which is hard to to think about in a way. But can you blame him? No, not at all. I think it might be true, unless by some miracle a Mercedes seat lands on his doorstep, which is unlikely. Yeah. So um, it leaves us like um, to really congratulate Max Verstappen on a great drive and yeah. sort of a deflated championship congratulations to Lewis yeah, Hamilton really, isn't it? It was it was kind of almost a given it was going to happen this weekend anyway and it sort of happened in a weird just in a weird way. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's always just so it is it is like perfectly in line with the rest of the season, though, the whole, oh, it is. this battle could go somewhere and then it's just sort of fizzed out. Just sort of never towards does. Towards the end. Um, 
and especially with the turn one incident, you know, the turn one incident got us thinking, oh, something interesting could happen here. But then, you know, with Hamilton dropping back, we didn't initially know how bad Seb's wing damage was. But then as soon as you sort of found out Seb was going to be stopping as well, that kind of put a pin in that. It's like, well, they're both going to have to fight through now. Um, well, um, last time we had Vettel and Verstappen on the front row together, they didn't make it to turn one. That's true. This time they've made it to turn two. So <laughs> getting better, <laughs> slowly improving. And and one of them survived it. However, instead of taking Raikkonen out actually. this time, they took Lewis with them. So yeah, it's still three cars heading into turn one, and you know, not many coming back out the other side <laughs> with those two. Um, I think Raikkonen made a, a sort of quite funny comment of um, it was a bad start because he was getting swallowed up by people who were getting good toe into the turn one but then in a way he was thankful for it because he just watched everything unfold in front of him and drove through it Uh, so in a way he was kind of lucky he got swallowed up a little bit I think yeah, kind of the same for Bottas, really, wasn't it? yeah, yeah, very similar he let it all happen and then just kind of swept past to take second yeah and then watched Max disappear down the road yeah so Um, it, uh, once again, uh, when Kvyat gets demoted or fired, Verstappen wins the next race. It's happened three times. Yeah, I know, now. and I was joking last week about, oh, I'm yeah, going to pick him. I'm going to pick him in predictions. No, I'm not really. Why didn't I just stick with yeah. that? It's the obvious oh. choice in hindsight. It is now. The thing so is, silly. do they now bring Kvyat back? Yeah. for a race just He's to back drop him Toro again next race. To, to get Verstappen another win before the end of the season. Uh, it is a um, bizarre stat that if Kvyat never comes so back, weird. can never be disproven either. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it was actually good of Ferrari to let Kimi keep third place as well. I think yeah, they would have been well within their rights to ask them to swap, actually. I mean, it, it, the thing is, Vettel's never going to get second, but also, you never know. Like... Verstappen could have broke down the last lap or Bottas's car could have been found to be illegal after the race or something. Like, you never know when something might swap. For once, they would have been, like, well within uh, sort of logic to ask them to swap. But um, I think so. They, they, you know, like, on pace, he was never going to catch anyone because, like I say, there was a point no. where he was 20-something behind Raikkonen, who was then a further 20-something behind Bottas. So that was that was around 10 laps to go or something. It was, you know, around lap 60 that that was yeah. where they were positioned on track so the overtake was never really on there but like you say you know especially with a Renault leading the race and the way that the Renaults have been going around that track you know you you do um you you know you can't put it down as a certainty which is there was a radio message that I pointed out during the race that really annoyed me because it was Lewis saying where's Sebastian what position do I need where am I just just effectively trying to just make sure he could seal the mm-hmm. title and that that became his priority of I just need to get to somewhere where I can seal the title and it was something along the lines of you know he's fourth you're tenth where you are is fine he needs to get to second and then he said well can he not get to second and he's like the, the response was no Bottas is there it's fine it's like but you've got a potentially exploding Renault in front of him and yeah, you never know what's going to happen with Bottas's car. Like everything might look from fine, a certainty. Um, but you know the the heat problems that Hamilton was having. Albeit, yes, that was being amplified by following other cars. But still, you never know what you know what might happen. Or if somebody else had a 
uh, an issue anywhere in the pack. A safety car could have, uh, you know, concertinaed them all back together. Yeah, totally. And I just didn't like the the pure certainty. And I, I know it was probably more to keep Hamilton's mood up than anything. Yeah, probably. But I just didn't like the kind of boisterous. No, it's fine. He's second. We've we've got this. It just seemed a bit too confident. I wasn't keen. Yeah. Um, but another thing that I thought was slightly questionable is they obviously after the race they got Hamilton to come round to where the top three had parked up to obviously interview him on becoming world champion and so on. But then he basically did a runner <laughs> round the <laughs> final corner, which is now called Nigel Mansell, I believe, um, after his yeah. incredible move back in the 80s. Um, so he ran round there to get back to the pits, to get back to the garage. But at no point was he weird after getting out of that car that I saw. Yeah, that's interesting. He sort of dodged all of that. Yeah. Now, then again, I guess I guess all the other non-podium drivers still go back to the pits. So I guess that. But then, he, but no, he went straight into the garage, didn't he? Yeah, and he didn't have his helmet with him. They were all with the car, or somebody had taken them. So I, I don't know. It then just, again, it, it's one of those things where there are rules there for a reason, but pomp and ceremony is like kind of trumped yeah. it. And it, it's you know, what if he was underweight on something? And I, I know that he's you know. He's clearly finished a long way down the field, so it's not as much as a huge question. Yeah, if, and, if he'd won, I guess it'd be a different thing. And even if he was disqualified, I think he'd still win the title because of where Vettel finished. Am I right in saying that, I think? Um, yeah, I, I believe so. So, yes, I suppose there's arguments to say that it's a bit irrelevant, but I do. it comes back to this whole, just a bit of consistency. And I know things are yeah. going on, but it, it, it'd be nice if they actually followed their own rules every yeah, once in a while. I think it... <laughs> Yeah, it, I possibly as part of this, like you say, the new sort of Liberty wanting to sort of do the show the kind of thing. <laughs> I did see someone point out on Twitter, actually, I can't remember who it was, that it was nice to actually see immediate graphics and stuff saying your new world champion. Like back in Bernie's days, I remember like someone mentioning world champion. I think it's when Jensen won the title and someone asked Bernie about it. And Bernie was like, oh, one's only champion elect until the FIA awards dinner and it's official. Like, all right, Bernie, shut up. Like, it's nice his liberty are like, yeah, you've just watched someone be world champion. Let's tell you he's world champion. Yeah, well, that's it. You know, there's there's very little now that can change that. You know, there are things that can change it, but... They're virtually impossible. It'd take something very dramatic. Yeah. Um, and the interesting thing is now going into the last couple of races is that with that decided, everyone just goes hell for leather of, you know, just yeah. trying to prove themselves now because there's no holds barred. You know, there's no thinking about you know constructors decided, uh, drivers is decided. The only thing really up for grabs is. Bottas has a chance at getting second off Vettel. Um, and we've still got that midfield constructors battle as well because um, <clears throat> obviously a lot of them score bigger points than normal with Vettel and Hamilton. Yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the battle for fifth, really, isn't it? I think, I think yeah, Force India have it's pretty much Williams. wrapped up fourth, if, if not for certain, have wrapped up fourth. But Yeah, they're, they're 100 points ahead of Williams yeah. now, so it's almost guaranteed. Yeah, Williams 76, Toro Rosso 53, Renault 48, Haas 47. So any one yeah. of those four really could get fifth place still. Um, so that's still very much on. Yeah, watch this space. 
Absolutely. With two races to go um, as well, like, you know, a point between Haas and Renault is quite big. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. What about driver uh, of the day? Would you who would you want to give it to? Obviously, I think the official one's Max for obvious it's, reasons. It's not very often I go along with the winner being given that, but actually on this occasion I could possibly go with that because he was just a league of his own today. This was in, even more dominating than his um, last win. He was just it was it was the back to the old days of Vettel in the Red Bull being out ahead by miles and putting him fastest laps and the team having to tell him to slow down. It was exactly that. Again. Yeah, it was. And <laughs> there was a very comical question, uh, question comment even after the race from him of, um, I was that far out in front, I considered cutting some corners to add some penalties and make it more <laughs> interesting. <laughs> uh, which is, it's good to see he sort of sees the, the funny side in the the, the situation yeah, last definitely. week. Um I think he recognised that he went a bit far with his complaining last week and he's kind of chilled out a bit about it. Though. Yeah, uh, Christian Horner was still quite hyped up about it though at the start <sighs> of, of the weekend. Um, some interesting debates with him, but that's old news now. We're not going to talk about that anymore. I also enjoyed, um, at one point in the race, he had set a new fastest lap and <clears throat> his engineer came on and said, just take it easy now, like... <laughs> just slow down a bit next lap he did a near identical time and the engineer came and was like max can you slow down <laughs> wasn't his response and max was like i think he was like oops sorry yeah, his response was along the lines of oh i'm really sorry <laughs> like really sarcastically <laughs> as well um, giggling away to yeah. himself it, it's good it's, good oh, to it's see nice to see someone him. enjoying yeah, himself. yeah. Go, saying it the same thing at the same time it is good to see that he was enjoying <laughs> it that much Yep. Definitely. I can't wait to see him in a championship fight and have all of that disappear from him <laughs> yeah. because that's what always happens. Yeah. I, I think that um, it's worth giving sort of notes to Ocon finishing behind the rest, yep. as we Another were Another really saying. strong finish from Ocon. Yeah. Um, he was unlucky to be lapped towards the end, otherwise he would have been like the best of the rest and still on the lead lap. Um, yeah, he was great in qualifying as yeah. well. Um Outqualified Perez by like four tenths. Yeah, generally good um, race. Um, another one, I think, even though he only came home tenth, bringing home a point, I think Alonso is worth a mention because he did have some very good on track battles and some good overtakes. Yeah, really sort race. of strong fighting performance. Yeah, um, and I want to throw a curveball, and I actually want to mention the fact that Kevin Magnussen managed to come home eighth. Just because of that is impressive, how actually. bad that car was round there on Saturday. <laughs> it was awful. And considering his teammate Grosjean was down in 15th, um, yeah. two laps down, and you know he's finished not that far away from um, Perez. Well, they started 14th and 15th on the grid, and Grosjean stayed in 15th, and Magnussen yeah. worked his way up to 8th. So that's, yeah, that is super impressive, actually. So I'd, uh, I wouldn't put him forward for drive of the day or anything, uh, because they were... There were point. I think he maybe picked his battles a little bit. It was one of those where there were moments where he yeah. just seemed to let one or two people through and just like let them have it into turn Which one. Which is good from him because it's <laughs> yeah, not true. traditionally what you get with that him. That is true. Uh, but yeah, generally I think it was a, a good drive with under par machinery. Yeah. Um, I think I'm going to go for Verstappen, to be honest. To, it's not very often I go for the winner, but... I think that just given... It was like a come out, come back fighting after the issues last week, and he just seemed to get out there, do the job, enjoy it, and just you know 
seemed effortless from him. So I think yeah. for that reason, I'll, I'll agree with you and the world for once. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about move of the day? I know we've talked about a few. There's there's obviously Max um, and he's a very good positioning through turns one and two to, to squeeze Vettel out. Yeah, masterful. Um, there was a great move, I think, personally, by Gasly on Grosjean into turn one. Um, this is around the time that we saw uh, his teammate Hartley blow up, I think. I think this is what we were watching yeah, just before. Yeah, this is when the... The blue smoke started yeah, to appear. Yeah, and it was Massa that was somewhere behind them because Gasly managed to slot in front of Grosjean by probably millimetres heading into turn one. Um, yeah. And then obviously hold line and defend from Grosjean. And Massa was putting pressure on the pair of them. So I, I thought that was a good move in itself for someone that's fairly new into the the formula as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, I enjoyed that. And then obviously Hamilton and Alonso sort of two back-to-back laps they were fine through turn one Definitely. or two um i yeah that was awesome that was probably highlight of the race for i me. think i would go hamilton alonso as well uh, as good as good yeah. as max's setup was and it literally set him up for the rest of the race i just enjoyed watching hamilton and alonso going wheel to wheel in proper racing it's been a while hasn't yeah. it <laughs> definitely um and it was it was definitely enjoyable and it it just brought my interest back into it through what had been a fairly dull final few laps. Yeah, likewise. Let's go with that. Uh, And then, obviously, regular segment. Honestly, what the f*** are we doing here? There wasn't much in-race stuff, actually, was there? I mean, a lot of people would say Vettel at the start, but I don't think I agree with that. Um... It's got to be the podium, surely. The only, yeah, as like I said, there's nothing on track, but the podium was the weirdest thing. It, it just like they finished. Uh, it was it was a perfectly normal, innocent-looking podium, and they did all the normal stuff, and they did the champagne, and then some like dubstep kicks in, and the podium starts it was rotating. Like a dubstep remix of um, I can never remember what the song is called, but it, it's like to me, it's the F1 champagne song, and I can never remember what it's called. Yeah. But they're in the middle of that, like doing their thing. I think Raikkonen was still stood on the podium, and the thing—like the drivers didn't seem aware it was going to happen. Not and at all. And he starts rotating with Raikkonen and Co stood on it, and they're like, "What is going on here?" And then they jump off, and then the weirdest but- scene ever of whoever the DJ is bouncing away to his dubstep, having the time of his life, and Kimmy just stood in front of him, necking champagne. I was like, <laughs> yeah. that has got to be Kimmy on every night out he's ever been on. <laughs> Kimmy just did, he just barely reacted to everything going on around him. He just stood there, drank some champagne and walked Typical away. Typical Kimmy Raikkonen, but it's kind of why we love him in, in respect, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it was bizarre. It's Again, I think it's more Liberty throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks. And I think I think we're gonna chalk that one up as a mistake. Yeah. Um I mean it was very Formula E is what it was. It was um side podcast I saw on Twitter said, Is there anything F one won't steal from Formula E these days? Yes, and I also saw your response to that. Cars <laughs> <laughs> that can follow each other. <laughs> mm, yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the race. Yeah, DJ. I was expect for some reason in my head I was expecting a stage with like a catwalk and stuff, and I, I was thinking, where is it? Where is it? And I was like, oh, oh that's Formula E, isn't it? Because <laughs> that's what they do for the Formula Although, E. It's like down in yeah. in the baseball stadium, bit on ground level. So it's slightly different with Formula E. All I'm hoping is that, I mean, we're recording this what a couple of hours after the race finished, hour and a half after the race. I'm hoping that DJ's still there and all the people in the stadium are still there and they're just having a massive party. That'd be awesome. That would see that would be cool. 
That's what I'm hoping they've done with that, not just not a just weird... turned it off and gone home <laughs> after once. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Bizarre. Should we um, run down predictions then? <laughs> Reluctantly. <laughs> it's been a rough week. It's a rough week for many. It's, um, um, yeah. It's, we've had, including us, there were 15 entries this week. So once again, thank you everybody for taking part. Unfortunately, across those 15 people... We've scored a total of 10 points between all of us. <laughs> it's like an average of one point per person. It's like I said at the top of the show, you know, we're just trying to emulate Hamilton's title yeah, totally. scenario. We're going low points, but get the job our, done. If anything, it's been our greatest prediction of all. In our predictions, we predicted how this race would <laughs> we've go. We've got one point between all of it. Oh, no, he, yeah. he was ninth, wasn't he? He's got two points. Damn. Damn. So, fastest qualifier, only one person said Vettel, which was uh, Anders Varda, so well done to you. Everyone else said, most of Hamilton, unsurprisingly, there was a Bottas and a Ricardo yeah. in there. Um, winner, again, most people said Hamilton, next was Vettel, with a couple of Bottases. Uh, but anywhere but here, that's life, and Eric Richardson all got Verstappen, so point for all Thank of them. Well done on taking my uh, advice, guys, just saying. Yes, <laughs> the advice you didn't take yourself. Um, first DNF, we had only one person, uh, Skarzakama, who was a newcomer last week, gets a point there for getting Ricardo right. We had quite a spread of uh, first DNFs, actually, this week. Most of them Renault engine-based, um, just to look at that list. <laughs> yeah. Uh, number of finishes, only 15 this time. Um, the most popular answer seemed to be 16, so everyone quite close. Me and you both said 18, which is miles yeah. off <laughs> um but anyway but here and scars karma and that's life again all got that right then massa was our random driver who finished 11th uh Stu got that right um, bringing home points for the show Eric richardson <laughs> yeah so as you may have guessed that means me and tom both scored absolutely nothing along with lots and lots of other people um <clears throat> so i'll have a quick run up the scoreboard but uh it's not, it's not much has changed really um uh, Beardy Blob, who was a newcomer this week, thank you for taking part. Fortunately, didn't get any points this week. Uh, neither did Greek F1 fan, who I think is also a newcomer, aren't they? Yeah, that's a new one this week as well. Um, our friends uh, from Brazil, uh, Film de Grid, also on zero. Jar versus Gaming stays on half a point. Uh, Scars of Karma goes up from one to three points. Uh, Henrik Lindorf also on three points. Anders Varda goes up a place uh, on four points. Simon from Admit 1 is on 4.5 points. Uh, Gina stays on 4.5 points as well. Uh, Eric Richardson gained 2 points, so he's jumped ahead of all of them. He's now on 6 points. Fast New 14 is also on 6 points. Um, Tom from anywhere but here uh, jumps from 12 up to 14, uh, equal with Ika. Paul Kelso and Craig Mitchell both remain on 18.5. That's life jump uh, two points up to 25, which means they're only now one point behind me and Stu. Uh, Stu gained a point, so me and him are equal again on 26. And Tom, you also didn't score, so you're still just three points ahead. So it's all still very close with only a handful of places left. At least our title will probably go down to the wire in Abu Dhabi. That is true. At least one of the titles this year is going down to the wire. So even though the real title is decided, obviously you can tune in for the next couple of weeks to to find out what happens with our title. Yes. <laughs> Especially if you're involved. You know, there's still lots of places to be fought for there. Absolutely, yeah. So um, a reminder to anyone listening who hasn't taken part yet and is maybe thinking, well, I can do better than that rubbish. 
Um, <laughs> there is a, still a prize for not only the best finished listeners, uh, which is at the moment Dats Live, but uh, there is a points. Sorry, a prize for the first clean sweep, which with two races left, the the chances are getting um, minimal, but. It's still on it's there. Possible. It's still possible. It's equally possible every week. We've still Definitely. got Hamilton in the list of random drivers as well, so that will help out if he at, gets At picked. the minute, though, with today's performance, you kind of don't want him to be the random driver. Yeah. But... Massa was a good one, actually, this week, because he finished in his normal place, unlike a lot of other people. Yeah, exactly. So uh, if you do have an interest in joining in, be sure to follow us on Twitter at BackOfTheGridF1. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook by searching Back of the Grid, where you can comment on anything we post to submit your predictions. Uh, you can also find us on Instagram at Back of the Grid, and you can find our website, which is backofthegrid.com. Uh, if you'd like to follow me on Twitter, I am TomKing89. Chris is TNM Chris, and Absentee Stew is Stew underscore PX. For all your pictures from, where is he? Lanzarote? Tenerife. No, Tenerife. <laughs> We don't even know where he is. He could be anywhere. <laughs> he could we'll just be at home and yeah, couldn't be bothered. I think he's just he just doesn't want to do the show this week. That's all it is. <laughs> is that enough? Um, Given that it's uh, coming up to 22.11 a night, I don't blame him. <laughs> yeah, it's it, back of the grid after dark this week. It is. It's one of those interesting weeks where we do the show right after the race. Normally we do that when it's been an early morning race, which means we've got afternoon to prep and then go in the <laughs> evening. This time we just thought, no, nah, podium's over, let's do this. <laughs> so anything that's happened post-podium that we, we're not aware of making this news redundant, we apologise for, but we will correct ourselves next week if you join us then. Yep, uh, it's a couple of weeks to the next race, isn't it? Uh, the next race we will be covering is... Yeah, Brazil, Brazil in two weeks. In two weeks. So next week you can join us for our... Brazil preview and predictions and any news from the week and then obviously in a fortnight we'll have the Brazilian review so be sure to join us for those and then Abu Dhabi to round out the season yep thank you very much for joining us so see you soon bye everyone